All right. Praise God. Good morning. Good morning. Everybody comfortable? We're excited. We're going to hear the word of God. Anybody came excited to hear the word? Oh, man, there's a word for you today. And I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to, to miss it. So lean in. As a matter of fact, let's stand for the reading of the word. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Man, amen. Cause evil good and good evil. You may be seated. I opened up with this scripture just because of all the chatter that I've been hearing about the Grammys. How many of you went to, how many of you not went, but how many of you watched the Grammys this past week? All right, good job. <laughs> good for you. I didn't watch it, but I've been hearing about all the antics that were pulled off this year. If you didn't know, let me tell you a couple of things that happened during the Grammys. The world's most probably richest artist, Mr. Z, he gave up to thank, and he, and he thanked God. He said, I want to thank God a little. Okay, Mr. Jay-Z, I guess you're going to live forever, and you're never going to have to answer for that. We'll pray for your soul. How many of you know it's not good to give God a little? Whenever you give God a little, that's a whole nother message. Then, then I, I, I understand there were some, a whole bunch of marriages taking place, some same-sex marriages performed by uh, the Reverend Queen Latifah. I thought this was a show about music, but we have same-sex marriages. Thank you, Macklemore. Beautiful song. And then he gets up and he makes some comments about the Bible not being relevant. If the Bible is not relevant, why are you talking about it at the Grammys? If, if, if it's not relevant, if it's, if, it's not, if it's not active, if it's not alive, why can't we stop talking about it? Why are we always referring to it? Why are we always standing against it? Obviously, there's something in there that's alive and active and bothering you and stirring inside of you to the point that you always have to fight it and push it and push it and push it. Amen? I don't hear anybody going up and saying, those, those uh, Dr. Seuss books, they're, they're not relevant to this generation. Nobody cares. Why? That's a dead book. Right? But the Word of God is alive and active and it's pursuing and it comes after and it, and it speaks to your, your judgment and it speaks to you. And that's why they got to keep pushing it and pushing it. So, you know, if it's not relevant, shut up. Amen? Then, then the biggest thing that I heard about, well, I don't know which one is bigger for you, but these are all kind of big, but, but I heard then, then Katy Perry comes up and does a presentation. How many of you saw that? And, and she does this presentation where there's, there's, there's Baphomets and demons and all these, these, um, these demonic figures behind her. And towards the middle of this thing, they, they, they create a circle and then they light the circle on fire. And then she does the ritual inside the circle of fire. E Online, not a Christian magazine, E Online says, did we just watch witchcraft? <laughs> the world called it witchcraft. E! Online says, do we just watch witchcraft? Listen, family, I'm not here to tell you what to watch on TV or who what to listen to on the radio. But I do want to, can I just say something about that? 
I really don't understand why so many Christians get upset and start bashing these artists. What did you expect from them? What did you expect them to show you when you watched them? What did you expect, where did you expect them to take you when you followed them? What did you expect them to tell you when you listened to them? Am I stepping on any toes this morning? Listen to me, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of God, if those artists are on your playlist, then you can't say anything. Because you sold your opinion for a good hook. The truth is that we can't blame them because it's like us. When we go, for when E comes up here, when, when the worship team comes up here, when they, when they get the stage, they go hard for their God. Amen? Amen? Did we just have an awesome worship experience this morning? When, when we take the stage, when believers take the stage, we go hard for God. So do they. When they take the stage, they go hard for their God. It's the same thing. So we can't blame them, amen? The sad thing is that there's more of us watching them than them watching us. Ay, ay, ay. The message puts that scripture verse this way. 2 Timothy 3.1, it says, Don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed. They're going to be money-hungry. They're going to be self-promoting. They're going to be stuck up, profane, contemptuous of parents. They're going to be crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog. They're going to be unbending. They're going to be slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags, addicted to lust and allergic to God. They'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they're animals. Stay clear of these people. Family, I want us to grow in wisdom. I want us to be mature. I want us to grow in faith, in deed, and in action. And to do that, we're going to need to really get into our word. Amen? And, and see, the more I dig into the word, the more relevant it get, becomes to me. The more I see that everything in the word, everything that the word says is actually coming to pass. It, it's almost frightening. If you read what the word says is going to happen in the last days, there'll be famines and wars and rumors of wars and nation will rise against them. If you read what the word says, you, you kind of say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You'd realize that, that, that the, what the word says is coming to, it's alive, it's active, it's truth. Listen, when New Testament believers started to see Old Testament prophecies coming to pass, it solidified something in them. It made them say, wait a minute, the word is true. This word is real. This is not the time to fall off church this is not the time to get distracted this is not the time to to not this is the time to be encouraged amen it's time to be aggressive it's time to shine a light in a dark world so that whoever's left whoever's lost whoever's being held captive by the hooks of this work can be set free it's not time for us to be so comfortable in our little churches and build more churches and build more churches and have little Christian parties and have little Christian buildings. It, it's time to rescue the lost. Amen? Amen? I told you at the end of last year, I wanted us to get a good biblical foundation this year. We were going to start with the Gospels. I wanted us to get a good understanding of the Gospels, man. And I'm going to try my best. I'm going to go my hardest. I'm going to go all out as much as I can, as much as God would allow me to, to really give you a good foundation of the Gospels this year. Amen? And so I want to take some time right now at the start of this year to walk through the Gospels with you guys. We're not going to go chapter by chapter. But what I want for us is to journey through these Gospels, however God would lead us. And the goal of this series, here's what I want you to keep in mind. The goal of this series, I want for us to get a fresh revelation of God. I want for us to get a new download, a clearer picture, a better portrait of the Son of God. 
the Emmanuel, God with us, the incarnation of Christ, God in the flesh, the author and finisher of our faith, the only begotten son. I want us to get a fresh picture of the one who says, I'm the beginning and I'm the end. I'm the alpha and I'm the omega. I'm the firstborn of creation. I want us all, listen, to encounter the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I want us to see the true vine, the wonderful, the counselor, the inexhaustible, indescribable, uncontainable, untamable Messiah, Savior, and Lord, Jesus the Christ. I want us to know him in all of those aspects and characteristics because, listen, when we really know who he is, then we start to understand who we are. See, I believe the church is suffering from identity theft. It's not the target credit cards we got to worry about. It's the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's stolen our identity from us because he's tainted the identity that we have in Christ. And so the more we know of Christ, the more we'll know of us. Amen? So I took the title of this series from the words of Jesus in Matthew. In Matthew 16, 13, it says, Now, when Jesus came into the district of Philippi, he asked his disciples. So he's sitting around with his disciples and he asked them, he says, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do they say that I am? And, and they said, verse 14, they said, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah. Others say that you're Jeremiah. Still others say that you're one of the prophets. So it, it's just like people today, they, they respond like they were responding today. People say, well, Jesus was a good prophet. Jesus was a, a wise man. He was a philosopher. He was a great leader. I love the, the verse. It, it looks like Jesus interrupts them. He says in verse 15, but wait, but, but wait, who do you say that I am? And that's the title, and that's the goal of this series. It's a question from Jesus to each one of us. Who do you say that I am? If you're just visiting today, if you're new here, you picked a great time to start visiting. You don't have to know anything about the Bible. Say, that's a relief. I'm not going to, right? My hope, listen, my hope is that you would spend a season with us. And that you're going to walk away from this time ready to answer that question in your head and in your heart. And listen, if you're a seasoned anciano, where all my seasoned guys at? You've been in church 39 and a half years. You've been coming to church 64 years. You've been a Christian 79 and a half years. If that's you, I pray that you too would get a fresh revelation of the wisdom and the love of God in Christ Jesus and be encouraged and motivated to get out of our seats, off of our lazy assets, (laughs) and start cutting people free and building the kingdom. Amen? Anybody ready? Because I ain't even start preaching yet. Can Can we get this thing started? I want to start with something I came across in the gospel of Luke. And, and uh, I'm going to try to be doing a little preaching, teaching thing as we, as we um, take passages from the gospels. I want to give you some backgrounds and some history about the book and kind of what's known about its author. Amen? Is that all right? Good, because I'm going to do it anyway. Because I want us to be fully equipped followers. I don't, I don't want you to just be able to say, well, I, I think uh, it's in Luke someplace. Luke says something. I want you to know why Luke said it, who Luke was, when he said it, where he was when he said it. I want you to know about the heart of Luke when he was talking about the heart of God. Amen? So I want us to be fully equipped. So let me tell you a little bit something about Luke. Lucas was a physician. He was a doctor. So he was a man of science. He was a man of facts. Luke or Lucas was not a Jewish man. He was a Gentile. That's a pretty big deal. He was the only Gentile to write a New Testament book. How many of you already knew that? 
Amen. He also he's, is believed and well accepted that he's the author of the book of Acts. So this Gentile wrote a pretty major portion of the New Testament. Is it, I don't know how you feel about it, but I love that God would use one of us to speak to one of us. Isn't that awesome? That God would use one of us to speak to one of us, to, to let us know that we belong, to let us know that we matter, to let us know that he could use even us. Amen? Even the Puerto Ricans in the room, the, even us, that he could use even Dominicans, that he could use even the Cubans. How many Cubans we got up in here? All right, me and Danny. Oh, I had another one over there. Amen. Viva la liberación. If you've ever felt like an outsider, like nothing special, God's choice in Luke shows us that he can use us too. Amen? So, now, now here's something that's kind of critical. Luke wasn't a direct eyewitness to the stories that he writes about. Some of us can have a problem with that. Wait a minute, Luke is writing about things he didn't see? Luke was not a direct eyewitness to the stories that he wrote about. In fact, he makes it clear if you, if you don't say you never knew that, that means you never read Luke. Because in the beginning of Luke, he says it right in the beginning. He says, therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So this, the book of Luke was written to a letter written to a man named Theophilus. Who apparently Theophilus was someone who funded Luke's research. So it appears that this man became a believer and he's hearing about all these things. He's hearing about the Jesus who walks on water, the Jesus who opens eyes, who, who, who speaks to deaf ears and they hear him. He's hearing about this Jesus who raises people from the dead, who, who demons shudder at the sound of his name. And he goes to Lucas and he says, find out about this for me. And he... <coughs> He funds Lucas. He said, is it wives' tales? Is it just fables? Is it just stories that people have been telling? throughout? I want to know if this is true. And Luke says, I myself, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. See, Luke was a doctor. He was an educated man. And he says, after careful investigation and research from direct eyewitnesses, I'm going to bring you the truth. The book of Luke is the most comprehensive of all the Gospels. It's historically researched and recognized because Luke names the rivers. He names the places. He names the events. He names the feasts. It's something that could be easily traced and checked and, 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 and researched. So it's a pretty comprehensive Gospel. It, it's, it's amazing. It's a research paper with eyewitness accounts. Luke was a close friend of Paul's. It's not like Luke wasn't in the mix. Luke was in the mix. He was, he was one of Paul's best friends. He was with Paul on many of Paul's trips. Paul speaks of him often. He saw Paul through shipwrecks, through beatings. Paul loved Luke. Whenever Paul refers to Luke, he called him the beloved physician. So Luke was a man of character. He was a man of integrity, loved by Paul. So the book of Luke was written to this one man, apparently financed all the research, Theophilus. And watch this. This is beautiful. Watch. The name Theophilus means one who loves God. So in essence, the book of Luke was written to those who love God. <laughs> Isn't that pretty? You'll, you'll catch that later, I guess. I thought that was pretty awesome. So Luke's gospel is saying, I've done the research, come and see for yourself who this Christ is. I don't know about you, but that encourages me to read the book of Luke because I say, man, this Luke was a scientist. This Luke was, was he was seriously about facts. This Luke is not going to fall for fairy tales. He's not going to go for wives' tales. He's going to say, if somebody tells him Jesus did this, he says, I want to talk to the person that was there. I want to talk to somebody who saw this. He's going to investigate. He says, having carefully investigated, I put together this report. This letter. And so the, Luke, the book of Luke is a letter with all of his research. So, so that's just kind of the history. Let me, let me go into chapter 2 of the book of Luke. We go from the baby prediction of the birth to the birth in the stable to hearing about the angels appearing and the shepherds and guiding them to the Savior. We got the whole, the whole story, right? 
He tells us about the angel appearing to Mary, about the angel appearing to Elizabeth and John the Baptist, and he goes into that whole story. But then it's awesome. By the end of chapter 2, Jesus is 12 years old. This is the only time we're going to hear the first words of Jesus. He was 12 years old. And it's recorded here in Luke from an eyewitness account. Luke 2.41, it says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. So let me kind of explain this for a second. Every year during Passover, the Jewish people would come together and they would come from all over to celebrate the Passover. It was a feast that would last about seven to eight days with the Passover day. And entire families and communities and neighborhood towns, they would caravan together. So they would all get together and be like, road trip. And they'd get on their camels and they'd get on their donkeys or whatever. And they'd take this long pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So it'd be all your cousins and your cousins' cousins and, 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 you know, um, Negrito and Negrita and, you know, all, everybody, the whole crew would pick up and they would make this, this, they would caravan together on this pilgrimage to celebrate the Passover. The Passover was a really big deal. God wanted his people to always remember where they came from and what he had done. The Passover feast, just to give you a quick uh, uh, illustration, the Passover was, was a time, they celebrated the time when God's people were in captivity as slaves, and God sent Moses to set the captives free. And, and the Israelites wouldn't release the, it, they wouldn't release them, and so they were, they were holding them as slaves, and so God gave them all these plagues, and the tenth plague was the plague of the curse of the firstborn. And so he, he tells the, the, the slaveholders, he tells those people, the Pharaoh and them, he tells them, listen, at midnight tonight, I'm going to go through the land and kill the firstborn of everything, of every slave to every ruler, of every cow to every mouse. The firstborn is going to be struck tonight. And they'll be wailing and crying the next morning. And, and then God warned the Egyptians and he instructed his people. So he said, the, for, for his people, he said, here's what you have to do. You get together with your families and slaughter a lamb. And take that lamb, slaughter the lamb, and make sure to take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorposts of where your family is. And if you put the blood on the doorpost, he said, God said, when I pass over, when I see the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, I'll pass over you. And the curse will not affect your family. I'll pass over. The wages of your sin will be passed over. The, the death that should come to you will be passed over. Your transgressions, your, your fault, everything that's, I'll pass over them because you're under the blood of the Lamb. That's why, that's why Jesus is called the Lamb of God. Because when we're, when we're under, when, when Christ shed his blood, he provided the covering so that the wrath of God would pass over us. So that the punishment of our transgressions would pass over us. Can we just take a moment to celebrate the Passover? Because that's, that's, that's a beautiful picture. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So Mary and Joseph and all their relatives, they came to celebrate the feast, right? And so they're there in Jerusalem and they're celebrating. They're going through all the, the days of this celebration. And when the feast was ended, verse 43, it says, The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And the parents did not know it. 44. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey and then began to search for him among the relatives. So they traveled an entire day. Remember, they don't have... Hummers and, and, you know, and, and buses and trains, they're, they're traveling. They traveled an entire day and then they started saying, what's your, what's, wait, text Joseph. See, see, see if Jesus is with Joseph. So they broke out the first Blackberry, right? And they're like, Joe, is, is, is Jesus with you? And, and Joe wrote back, nah, nah, I thought he was with you. And so then they started texting each other. Text, text, um, text your sister. He's probably with your sister. Your sister didn't throw me there. She's always taking him and she don't tell us where he's going, right? And so they started going around and around and they started searching for him and they couldn't find him. And so it says then, they said, we had to turn, they turned around. 
When they couldn't find him, they returned to Jerusalem. So remember, they traveled the whole day, and now they traveled an entire day. This is day two. Now they're in Jerusalem, and they're searching for him. They go to Flacco's house, right? And you're Flacco! You seen Jesus? No, I said little homie left a long time ago. I haven't seen him. And they, and they go into, you know, you know, Maria, dude, you seen Jesus? No, Jesus, no, and they're going on back and forth. And they're looking for him all throughout Jerusalem. Day three, it says they didn't find him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers. This is a 12-year-old. Sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, she's grabbing the Correa, son! Why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I, we have been searching for you in great distress. Wait a minute, what just happened? Did Mary and Joseph lose Jesus? And when they found him, did they just blame him for it? I want you to think about this because how many times have we stepped out on our own supposing Jesus was with us? Verse 44, supposing he was with them. Other translation says, thinking he was with them, assuming he was among them, supposing he was there, they went a day's journey. Let's stop right there. How many times have we gone a day's journey away from the will of God, supposing Christ was with us? Assuming Jesus was among us. And we, we justify things all the time, right? We say, well, I met him right around the block by the church, so surely God's in this. We say, you know, I want something better for my kids, so I left the city. I packed up and left. Supposing God was in this. And now you find yourself in the middle of nowhere with no church community, with no connections to God. Now you start searching for him. They went a day's journey before they started looking for Jesus. We justify it all the time. We say, well, you know, it's a great deal, this house or this car or whatever. Surely God's in this, assuming God is with this. And then you find yourself in debt over your head and now you start looking for him. So many times we do our own thing supposing Jesus is tagging along. We step out before God assuming God will go before us. Oh man, come on. How many times have we stepped out before God assuming God will go before us? You see how ridiculous that sounds? We step out before God assuming God will go before us. We've left the prayer time. We've stepped away from the communion. We have no fellowship with God the same way. We don't, we're not reading his letters as much. We're, we're just taking off and supposing he's with us. Supposing that he's on board. Church, I'm calling us back. Let's be a people of prayer. Let's be a people that seek God before we do things. Let's seek the counsel of godly men and women. Let's not take a move before we know that God is with us. I love the picture of the, of, of, of the, 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 the people in Israel when they were escaping that God, God would have a cloud and, and they would stay there. And whenever the cloud would move, then they would move. And whenever you move, I move. Whenever you move, I move. Just like that. Amen. Church, we can't fit it all in on a Sunday. Too, that man, Sunday Christians are the most boring, crazy people. You're boring, Sunday Christians. You try to get, you know what, if I get there early, I'll kneel on the floor in front of my chair, I'll get my prayer time in, check. Then I'll raise my hands once or twice, if he even does the right songs. If he doesn't do the right songs this week, I ain't worshiping. I told him I ain't like the other song. I told him what my favorite song is. I don't know why he hasn't done it. If he plays my song, then I'll raise my hand, I'll worship, check, I got my chair, I'll worship him. Then when that crazy Cuban start talking about the word, check, I'll endure, I'll listen, whatever. I might write a note, I might look up a scripture. 
If I'm not too busy on Instagram or too busy on Facebook checking statuses because that's what's important in my life. You can't fit it all in on Sunday. You, you need to walk with God and talk with God throughout the week. Amen? When you have major decisions, don't do them by yourself. God said, I'll be with you. I'll go before you. So Mary and Jesus, they finally find him. And he's chilling in the temple with the scholars and the teachers. And, and he's asking questions and giving answers. And people are amazed. And in comes Mary. Boy, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I, we've been searching for you. And we do this all the time, right? We, we leave God out of our decisions. And then we shake our fists at God when he's not in the decision that we made without him. I know this is a Ben Gay sermon. I'm sorry. So about that. I'm not coming at you. I'm right there with you. I'm saying we. Okay, I'm not saying you. I'm saying we because I'm guilty. We step out and then we get mad when God's not in the situation. We suppose he was with us. We suppose he was behind it. We, but we never bothered to ask. We never bothered to wait. We never bothered to confirm. We never bothered to seek his face. We never bothered to, to seek his presence, to seek his decision. We just stepped out and said, God, this is, follow me. And then we get mad. We say, why, why didn't you do anything, God? Why would you let this happen, God? We leave God out of it and get angry. We take prayer out of the schools and we get angry because kids are killing kids. And we get angry and we say, why, why are these kids acting like animals? Maybe it's because we told them there's no God and you came from monkeys. We told them that they're animals in school. We teach them there's no God. We teach them you came from a frog, that an amoeba, a cell that became a monkey, that be your monkey's your closest relative, you are a monkey, you're an animal. And then we treat them and we get mad at them when they act like animals, when they, when they get in heat and want to jump on everything that'll stay still. And we have all this craziness that now, and then now we study animals and we say, oh, but there's a lot of homosexual animals too. So obviously that was God's plan. What? You haven't heard that yet? Yes, all over the time. Why? Why do we have homosexual? No, listen, when an animal is in heat, how many of you had your puppy jumping on your leg? Does that make your puppy a heterosexual or something? Because he, no, when something is in heat, it'll jump on anything that stands still. And that's what we're te teaching our kids to be. Woo, that's a whole nother message. I love the gentle response that Jesus, the 12-year-old, gives. He says to them, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know I was going to be in my father's house? Why were you looking for me? Didn't you know I would be about my father's business? Don't you know? And I believe this is God's word for somebody today. It's like Jesus was saying, listen, look, we were all together in the temple. I didn't leave it. You did. I didn't leave you. You left me. Now, listen, I'm not don't get crazy on me. Theological. I'm not saying Mary and Joseph were out of God's will. I'm not even going that deep. But I believe this story is in the word to admonish us. Because sometimes we lose sight of Jesus. Sometimes we lose sight of the Savior. We lose sight of the Messiah. And what happens is whenever we forget who he is, we almost always forget who we are. Our identity is in Christ. And when we lose our identity in Christ, we start finding our identity in other things. And then we say, our identity is in my new girlfriend. If she doesn't love me, man, I, I got, I'm nothing. If he, doesn't, if he doesn't stick with me now that he got me pregnant because he told me I was special and that he loves me and I'm the only one he's ever done this with. And if he doesn't stick with me, I'm never going to make it. I'm nothing. 
Because my identity is in the boyfriend. My identity is in the girlfriend. Or we make our identity in our job. If I get promoted, if I, if I, if I make more money, then, and then I have a greater identity. Listen, our identity is in Christ. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. We're the handiwork of God. If you understand that you're the handiwork of God, you don't do the dirty things that you're always doing. Or at least when you do, it bothers you. <laughs> I don't say we're going to be perfect. We're still going to blow it. Amen. We're still going to mess up. We're still going to get caught riding dirty. <laughs> I'll take it too far back. I'm sorry. Some of us find our identity in everything that we do wrong. And we say, I'm just a liar because I'm always lying. I'm just a cheater because I'm always cheating. I'm just a thief because I can't stop taking things from people. I'm just, and I'm just this, and I'm just this, and I'm just this. And we find our identity in the things that we do wrong. Christ says no. But we've lost sight of Jesus. Mary, at this point, they lost sight of Jesus. Maybe, maybe, uh, allow me to just kind of go this way for a minute. Perhaps Mary has changed so many diapers that she's forgotten who this child is. Perhaps all these years of having to prepare meals for this child, she lost sight that an angel appeared to her and told her about this kid. Perhaps she's forgotten that she was a virgin when she got pregnant. Oh, snap. Maybe she hasn't remembered lately that an angel appeared to her. And it was an angel because she got scared to death. And the angel said, don't be afraid. And the angel said to her, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call him Jesus. He will be Emmanuel, God with us. Maybe, maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today and you've lost sight of Jesus. Maybe you've been around church so long and you've been around church people too long that you've lost sight of Jesus. Maybe you've left him out of so many decisions and you've gotten mad at him so many times for not backing up the decisions that you made without him that you've lost the wonder of Emmanuel, God with us. Let me close with this. Our worship team, you guys could come up. In the book of John, we find the I am's of Jesus. I'm about to give you some identity and some purpose. I want you to, I want you to really, really receive this. I'm about to get you your, your credit report back. I'm going to take all the negative things off your credit report right now. We're going to raise your credit score right now. Your identity score is going to go high. As a matter of fact, let's stand up. Because some of you got so, you, you, man, you're so broke right now, you can't pay attention. And, and God wants to restore those things. He wants to bring that, that score back up. Amen? He wants you to remember who you are. In the book of John, he says, John 6, 37, he says, I am the bread of life. If anyone eats of this bread, you will live forever. So we're eternal. So often we live for this little piece of life, 70, 80 years, but there's an entire eternity that we're not thinking about. When we, when we say, God, I want to thank God for a little, we're thinking about these little 70 years, this little piece of your life, but there's eternity left to live. And in this little life, we want to be arrogant and say, I want to thank God a little. And we're living for this little, I want to make as much money as I can make. I want to, you know, do everything and accomplish everything. I want to have this and have that and have this and have, and we lose it because this is what matters, this whole piece. And we're working for this little piece of our lives. He says, I'm the bread of life. If anyone eats of this bread, he'll live forever. John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light 
of life. And we need to understand this, that it because, because He is the light and He is in us, then whatever you take light and put light in, that thing becomes light. You know how you make a lamp? You put a light inside of anything and it becomes a light. So when, when Jesus is in us, when, when Christ is in us, we become a light. Some of us, man, we haven't changed that bulb in a long time. There's so much dust on that bulb. There might be a short circuit in the wire because we've lost connection. Because we've let other things clamp onto that wire. We've let other things draw power from that wire. So that light might be dim. But I want you to understand and receive today that you are the light of the world. John 10, 9. John 10, 9. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Some of you question, I don't even know if I'm saved. I don't even know if I, well, John says, I'm the door. I am the door. If you come through me, you're saved. He also says to some of us today, behold, I stand at the door and knock. John eleven twenty five. 25, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Lastly, John 15, 1. This one's tough. This one's deep. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. Church, I believe he's asking us today to make this personal. And I believe the word of God is coming to us today, to each and every one. Listen, let, let it be like you're the only one standing here. Like I'm going crazy for one person in this room. And he's saying to you, who do you say that I am? If you think I'm just a good prophet, you're wrong. If you think I'm just a good teacher, you're dead wrong. Because if you really read my teachings, you'd hear me say things like, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, I'm the beginning and the end. So if you think I'm just a good teacher, you, then, then I'm really a crazy person because I think I'm God, Jesus says. If I'm forgiving people's sins, he's saying, that means I'm God. Only God can forgive. Only God can accept. Only God can call out. So who do you say that I am? family before you leave here today I want you to answer that question and, and I don't care you've been in church 15 years I don't care if you're brand new today answer that question today who do you say that I am and I believe we have a beautiful opportunity today to not lose sight of Jesus to not lose sight of the Messiah, to not lose sight of the Savior, to not lose sight of Emmanuel, God with us. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. And let's just pray. And let's just ask God. Some of us have to repent. And we say, God, I've taken, I've lost sight of you through my life. I've lost sight of who you are. I've lost sight of what you've done. I've taken for granted that you have forgiven my sins. I've taken for granted that I was so special to you that you died, that you shed your blood, that you became the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I put the blood post at one time. I put the blood over the doorposts of my life at one time. But since then, I've, I've lost all sight of you. 
if that's you, I want you to come. I want you to come forward. This is not the time to fall away. This is not the time to be distracted. This is not the time to be politically correct. I'm not going to tell you, oh, please, I don't want to embarrass you. I want to embarrass you because I want you to be saved. I want you to have God. I want you to know God. So if I have to embarrass you, if I have to call you out, I'm going to call you out. Amen. And I will hope and I pray that if I'm ever someplace lost, that if I'm ever far from God, that if I've ever lost sight of God, that someone would call me out. And that someone would say, Pastor, you used to be a pastor. You used to be this. And that they would call me out and say, come back. And so I'm calling some of you out. I'm saying, come back. Come back to the man you were when you first believed. Come back to the woman that you were when you first accepted the grace of God. Some of you might be here, you've been coasting for a long time. You never even did it. You just figure, I'm part of this church. You might have even signed up for membership. You might be working in the ministry here. And we don't know. You've never even made that decision. You've never even walked through the door. You know all about Jesus, but you don't know him. Would you come? Would you come? Don't let today go by, please. We don't, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not, you know, I, I, I don't like to... To, to scare people in but I, man I feel there's an urgency and I want you to ask that question who do you say that I am if he's your Lord and Savior then throw up a hand and say God I'm going to worship you I'm going to worship you if he's the Lord of your life if he's your king then throw up a hand and say God I'm going to worship you need a special prayer to pray there's no such thing as a, a sinner's prayer every prayer comes from a sinner to God and and transforms him in Jesus name so just you pray you just say God I'm making you Lord of my life I'm making you the king of kings God I'm gonna search you I'm gonna seek you and I'm not gonna I'm gonna stop supposing that you're that you're there I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna make sure I'm with you I'm going to make sure I don't make a move without you. I'm going to make sure you're involved in everything that I do. I'm going to take you with me to my job. I'm going to take you with me. to. You're going to be with me in everywhere that I go so that I know, God, that I'm walking in your will, that I'm walking in your way. Come on, family. Let's, let's pray. Let's worship together. Come on. another group of people that God wants to come up here. Those of you who are saying, I'm coming back to that place of prayer. I've stepped out of God's will, but I'm coming back. I'm making a new commitment. I'm going to go where I see God go. See, God's been dealing with me in the last few weeks to intensify the place of prayer, to come to his presence so that I, I don't miss out. See, I don't want to miss what God has for me. And I believe that some of you here, you're saying, I'm making a new commitment today before God. 
I'm going to pray. I'm going to get in that word, and I'm going to take a stand. And if, if my family gets upset, if they laugh at me, if they say I'm stupid, I'm foolish, I'm old-fashioned, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep my eyes on God. If that's you, if you want to join me and, and Mike, I'm making a new commitment today. If there's anyone else, you're saying, I'm coming to the place of prayer. I'm going to worship in my home. I'm going to have an altar in my bedroom, in my living room, where I'm going to seek God's face. I want to ask you also to come and join me up here. Father, I just pray right now, Lord God, that you would burn in every heart, Lord God. Father, we, we commit before you today, oh God, that if you don't move, we don't move, oh God. Father, let your will be done in our lives, not our will, oh God. And I just plead that blood of Jesus that's on the doorpost. You've got the, Pastor George spoke about the blood of the Passover that was put on the doorpost. So when the angel of death came to bring destruction, it didn't come on the people of God. But if you've got the blood on the doorpost of your heart, if you've got the blood of Jesus, if you love him, if you've been born again, then God's protection is over you. So I just speak that over you in these last days. As the hearts of many grow cold, as wickedness and evil increase, I, I just decree Psalm 91 over you, that you don't have to fear the terror of the night, of the arrow that flies by day, that a thousand might fall at your left side and 10,000 at your right hand, and it will not come near you. Just receive that right now in these last days but you gotta have the blood don't leave out of here without the blood of jesus i don't even want to walk down the street without knowing that god is going with me so father i just i just pray right now lord god that you would set us on fire for you again oh god father bring us back to that place of prayer oh god God, we've neglected to pray, oh God. Father, we've neglected your word. God, bring us back. We just bless you today. We worship you. Let's just close in just worshiping him.